<gasps> oh, look at these books, Mr. Persian. Have you ever seen so many? What's this? Pilgrim's Progress. Now that sounds like a good adventure. Let's read this one together. This is Troy. And Melissa Lamberth. And you're listening to All Things Together. Brought to you by Five Souls Media. And this is our second episode, and I wonder if any of you listening can guess what you just heard. If you guessed it was a little sneak peek of our latest As Told by Lil's podcast theater, you're right. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) And who is this little boy discovering a room full of books? Well, here's a couple of hints for you. He's English. He lived during the Victorian era. And when he grew up, some called him the Prince of Preachers. You got it yet? That's right. Charles Spurgeon. And on this episode, we're going to learn more about his life, especially his early days, and how he came to know Jesus. And later in the episode, we'll premiere our latest podcast theater about him. We'll also meet up with one of our pastors who, like many Christians, has been encouraged by the ministry of Spurgeon. The thing about Charles Spurgeon is... You know, he lived all his life to the glory of God. And that's what I really appreciate about him. His whole life was, it just seemed like it was dripping with love for Jesus. That's Pastor Christian Polinard, who will be with us soon. And just one last note before we get to our first guest. At the very end of the episode, we're going to let you know how you can win a copy of Crossway's new Church History Study Bible. We've been reviewing this new Bible, and we're excited to give a couple of copies away for your own personal study. But now, let's go to Wisconsin and meet up with Paul Cox of RefTunes. If you haven't heard of him, he's a cartoonist who's drawn many Christian characters from church history, including Charles Spurgeon. And we caught up with him and his kids and our kids and some friends' kids over Zoom and really enjoyed our time together. Mel Blank, the man of a thousand voices. Unbelievable. That's right. Okay, just do your best foghorn leghorn. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say. There it is. I'll say, I'll say. I don't know what else he would say. <laughs> My favorite was always Taz. Oh, can you do a good Taz? Uh, <laughs> there'd be a lot of slobber all over. And Paul, you're not just here alone. We actually, in our home, have several kids here. Say hello, kids. Hi. (laughs) And you've got some kids on your end too, right? Yep. Say hi. Hello. Hi. All right. Paul, you've got a a company called RefTunes, and you do all sorts of cool illustrations with uh, different characters from the past, from the Reformation to Charles Spurgeon. Tell us a little bit about how you got into cartooning to begin with, and then let's talk about how you connected it with the Reformation. Well... Uh, it all started when I was three and I love to draw. <laughs> um, I, I would, I was super influenced by Looney Tunes and Calvin and Hobbes, just Saturday morning cartoons in general. <laughs> yeah. And those two right there are, are, are the quintessentials, Looney Tunes and Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> yeah. Calvin and Hobbes. Right. Calvin was actually named after John Calvin from Calvin. Yeah. Hobbes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those were those were some of my big influences growing up. So I went to I went to college for art in general. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got out of college, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. <laughs> so I I ended up working some odd jobs, and finally uh, I got 
kind of pushed into doing freelance illustrations. So I've been kind of doing cartooning since 2009 as a, as a freelance illustrator. Um, and I just kind of, kind of stumbled my way into freelancing. wasn't really planning on it, but it's, it's, it's what happened. And I've been doing full-time freelance illustration uh, ever since 2009. Um, I've always liked doing side projects. I always have ideas for, for different stories or, or comic ideas to do on my own. And RefTunes kind of came, came on the scene in 2017 when I was kind of on the back end of getting, getting into reformed theology. I didn't grow up knowing about the reformation or, or even reformed theology. Um, and so through some different circumstances, starting in 2012, I had, I had kind of been getting into, uh, reformed theology and learning more about church history. 2017 is when Reptune started. And I really just wanted to share everything that I had been learning or, or just things that I'm learning on the way. Um, like as I, as I read books here and there, I'll, I'll find quotes from some of the old dead guys and, uh, and think, you know, that would make a good illustration. So I just went for it. <laughs> Do you remember what your first one was? Was it Augustine of Hippo with the hip, hippopotamus or? No, no, that was actually my third one. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, the first one was Martin Luther banging on the door of Wittenberg with some trick-or-treaters behind him. Oh, oh perfect. Yes, I know I've that seen one. that one. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the first one. And what's what started that one was just that I thought it would be funny just to have some trick-or-treaters behind Martin Luther. That's all. <laughs> and uh, as I as I posted that one, it seemed to get a good response, so I did another one which was Charles Spurgeon at the pancake breakfast. Oh. <laughs> um, and uh, from there, I started finding quotes from from books that I had read or had been reading um, that I thought would make good illustrations. It's really funny because in, in some ways, it's similar to how Melissa and I started the As Told by Littles. We just made one about Martin Luther for the kids in our church to enjoy because we do a Reformation Day event. <laughs> and um, it's funny you say that about the trick-or-treating. One of my favorite lines in it is... Uh, Luther says, I'm going to go nail these 95 theses on the church door. And the girl goes, you mean you're not going to go trick-or-treating? And he gives her a look. <laughs> we actually just watched that one last night. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, good. What would you kids think about it? Thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> They're giving thumbs up. <laughs> All right. That's good. That's good. So really, in the last five years or so, it was something you were doing, just posting them. People were liking them. Uh, when did you start thinking, hey, I could start, you know, you've got catechism books out, you've got calendars out. When did you see kind of a demand for those sort of things? Uh, well, to me, there seemed to be like kind of a lack of kids material mm -hmm. in in the reformed world, I guess you would say. I mean, there is some and there's some really good stuff out there, um, but I, I kind of wanted to add my flair to it, I guess. Um and since the catechisms are all in the public domain, I figured I could just attempt to self-publish them, <laughs> which I did. And uh, it's been fun. So the we did the catechisms and 
my wife and I rewrote the Pilgrim's Progress as a poem, as a, like a rhyming poem, and we did that one as well. That's right. Um, but that one's actually pub. That one actually we we got published by H and E Publishing um, up in Canada. But so so many of these, I call them the old dead guys, but like <laughs> they're they're so useful and they're everything they have for us is so applicable to today it's 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 timeless timeless truths and uh i think it's important to just kind of preserve those somehow so as you were kind of growing understanding uh, of god's word and growing in your understanding of sola scriptura i'm sure you came across uh charles haddon spurgeon so what was it about spurgeon that really stood out to you and that uh hooked you into reading him and enjoying him oh man just the um <clears throat> the picturesque quality of, of of how he writes and how he he explains things um he uses a lot of really good illustrations and at, he just really for me when he when i read what he's saying about a certain text of scripture it really comes to life and um he really brings out different aspects of it that i never would have thought of i mean he can take <laughs> and sometimes like we'll be reading through morning and evening his devotional and yeah there'll be like yeah. there'll be like three words from a verse and he'll do like this whole devotional on <laughs> those three words and it's just amazing the the truth that he can mine from scriptures and i think what's always struck me is how quick he is to take it to jesus um, yeah, and, yeah. and it's, it's, you see a genuineness. He's not just a, a, a pontificator. You see his own love and relationship with Christ come through his preachings. It's even though his wording today, 150 years later might be a little bit dated. You still see his love for Christ come through. Yeah, definitely. I think we have similar mission statements in that we want to, use the old dead guys, as you said before, um, we, we kind of want to dust them off and show them to kids and families to um, help spread the gospel and to show them how God has used those men throughout history to spread the gospel. Um, so in regards to that, Spurgeon was young, young, very young when he started preaching um, what encouraging words would you give to your kids or kids who are listening concerning um, sharing the gospel with others at their young age? I guess I might just say that scripture is for everyone. It's not just for old guys in their studies or pastors or preachers, but uh, scripture is for everyone. And the gospel is the good news for for all people and whether you're young or old you can if you you have that desire you can share the gospel with with your friends your neighbors with anybody amen <laughs> yeah yeah it's very true well and spurgeon really saw the importance of not just preaching the gospel to his congregation at which we would assume are older people, but it, it is really encouraging families to be talking about the gospel at home. And so he took 
kind of an older Baptist catechism and rewrote it, and, and you guys have done some work with some catechisms as well. What, what's the importance of it? Why do you think Spurgeon felt that it was so important to encourage families to, as we would say, catechize, which sounds so scary. Uh, talk a little bit about what that is. <laughs> right. To catechize your, your children is just teaching them through questions and answers um, about Scripture, about the basic doctrines of, of the faith. I think he would have seen the importance of teaching at a young age because uh, for one thing, the younger, the younger kids, they soak everything up like a sponge. And that's probably the best age to get them memorizing and getting scripture on their mind. And, and uh, hopefully that makes its way to their heart. And just the importance of doing that as a family is, is kind of solidifying your foundation as a family. Um, well, not only as a family, but also as individual people, um, so that you can recall from what you've learned in the catechism, which is backed up by scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the key part for anybody who maybe you're just hearing the word catechism. The only time I had ever heard of catechism as a kid was when my Roman Catholic friends were going right, through right. catechism. Same here. <laughs> and so it sounded like such an ancient Latin word that, oh, that's just Catholic. Then to come to find out the reformers were the one that invented catechism. Uh, I was kind of, I was, I was very uh, amazed by that. Um, but yeah, just as simple, all it is is questions and answers and then it's rooted in the scriptures. What does the Bible say about God's providence? What does the Bible say about our purpose in life? Which, by the way, with your kids sitting there, what is man's chief end, kids? Man's chiefest end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. There it is. Ding, 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 ding. I read the other one. Oh, that's not from the one you learned. <laughs> <laughs> there are many catechisms out there. Okay. Um, the right. first, the first catechism that I came across, I, I think it was about sixteen when my dad started to reform. So, um, but I, I was already a Christian, but I had come across so many different beliefs, and to solidify what I believed through catechism was actually really beneficial, even at that age. The Heidelberg Catechism was the first one that my dad started teaching us, which I really, you know, it wasn't necessarily Baptist catechism, but I really enjoyed it because of the almost flowery language. It yeah, was very, very warm. Uh, warm, creative language. But then the Westminster catechism, the shorter Westminster catechism was also very beneficial too. So um, it was even at 16, it really helped me go further than like my past church's uh, statement of faith. You know, that's all that would be that I had previous to that, previous to reforming was like a piece of paper with like five different points on it. This was much more expansive and helpful. That's cool. Yeah, I like the Heidelberg. That's I like the language that they use in it. And uh, just the descriptions in it are very almost poetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Poetic. That was the word That's I was looking for. <laughs> flowerly is kind flowery. of poetic <laughs> words, flowerly words. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, just even that first question, what is what is our only hope in life and death? Mm -hmm. Like, wow, what an epic way <laughs> to address a question to somebody. So what's your only hope in life and death? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> that I am not my own. Um, uh, that's how it begins. That's a, that's a, that's a right. humbling statement. 
And yet, so whose am I? I am Christ. I'm I'm God's. I've been I've been bought. I've been you know redeemed. And you start to work through it. It's you know just the whole structure of that catechism of uh, of guilt, grace, and gratitude have really helped me grow in my gratitude for what God has done on my behalf. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great to get to know you and your kids, and it's been a lot of fun to talk about everything from Spurgeon to Reformed theology to Looney Tunes. To pancakes. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. It was fun. Uh, and as Porky Pig would say, that's all, folks. How, no, how would he say it? <laughs> that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have kids in the studio audience here. Right. <laughs> that, 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 that's all, folks. <laughs> that's all, folks. This is the All Things Together podcast, and we have some really good news, folks. That's not all, folks. <laughs> no, but that was a fun chat, wasn't it? Yes, the fun thing we're finding out about this podcast is that we're making new friends. Yes, we're making new friends along the way, and perhaps that's why the original recording was a lot longer than what we shared with you. We had so much fun with Paul and his kids, and we're so thankful for their time. Yes, and one thing that we really do enjoy is that uh, Paul and his wife and kids uh, all share the same heart that we have of dusting off those old men and women from church history and sharing them with you and your families. Yes, we can totally relate. And speaking of dusting off those men used by God, As Told by Little's podcast leader on Young Spurgeon is coming up. But before that, we wanted to get a more intimate look at Charles Spurgeon with our friend, Pastor Christian from the Reformed Baptist Church in Riverside, California. We're sitting here with Pastor Christian Polinard talking about one of his favorite pastors of all times, Charles Spurgeon. But before we get to Christian, we have a young man here who actually has a question about Charles Spurgeon. Um, how many sermons did Spurgeon preach when he was a pastor or in his life? All right, Christian, can you handle that one? Yeah, Charles Spurgeon preached over 3,600 sermons in his lifetime. We actually have... Most of his sermons in two sets of books. One is the New Park Street pulpit, which is six volumes, and then the Metropolitan Tabernacle pulpit, which is 63 volumes. And each of those volumes is around 700 or so pages. So Spurgeon actually, his literary output was more than almost any other pastor that ever lived, if you include all his um, books that he wrote as well. Amazing. It is amazing. It's absolutely incredible, astonishing. Now, I wonder, is that one of the reasons why uh, he has been such an inspiration to you? Do you mind sharing a little bit about what it is that uh, attracted you to Charles Spurgeon? Yeah, the thing about Charles Spurgeon is, you know, he lived all his life to the glory of God. And that's what I really appreciate about him. His whole life was, it just seemed like it was dripping with love for Jesus. Everything he did was as if he was just just coming out of the veil, behind the veil of intimate communion with his Lord and Savior. His whole life was a sermon. He put everything he had into his family and his ministry. He lived to see sinners saved, and he spoke the gospel by turning every conversation into a heart-piercing conviction to know this loving master that he served. And uh, he was a pastor, and having had that calling in my own life, I find so much inspiration 
in his study habits and preaching methods and his counseling abilities. I've just always been uh, blown away by this man. He's been dead for nearly 130 years, but he's still so loved by everybody and enjoyed by so many today. Uh, why do you think that's the case? Yeah, well, someone once said, I think it was a contemporary of Spurgeon, once said that he felt that Spurgeon was cradled by the Holy Spirit his, mm-hmm. his whole life. And the recorded writings of this man still exude an almost prophetic authority uh, that seems to just speak to individuals, even today, of their private issues that no one knows about. Spurgeon's words come out of such a joy-filled relish of his Savior, and he was a man filled with the Holy Spirit to such a degree that his sermons and his writings, uh, they, they still speak to us today as if God had a specific, uh, special word for our own souls. And um, much of the wisdom and, for lack of a better word, the magic mm. of his counsel also came from his experience of being carried through great physical and mental suffering throughout his ministry. And he he really did. Uh, early on, there was the great tragedy where... Um, you know, the, somebody yelled fire and a lot of people were trampled and died and that affected him mentally. But then he, he struggled uh, physically with a lot of ailments too. Right. He had, uh, he had Bright's disease. He had suffered from the gout. He suffered also from massive bouts of depression. So he was going through physical and mental anguish constantly, especially after, you know, after he got along there a few years into his ministry, he started having these fits of, of, of depression. He would go down to uh, eventually down to Southern France every year because the weather uh, was such a harsh climate for his body and his mind in London that he'd go down to France and try to get some respite down there every year. Yeah, his spiritual habits are a good lesson for us, but just even how he saw he needed to take care of himself physically and mentally is a a good lesson to us as well. Right, and one of the things about Spurgeon is you you read about all that he was overseeing, not only just the ministry there at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, uh, but the, the orphanages he oversaw, all the different ministries that he was actually running, as it were, and the, and the literary output that he was putting out every week, uh, the Sword and the Trial magazine, he did the work of 10 grown men mm. in his lifetime. And some would say, well, you were beating the horse of your body too hard, you know? But um, Spurgeon wanted to, he, he felt like he had, his time was short, and he wanted to live his, all his life to the glory of God. Some people would say maybe that's what caused his depression was because he was working so hard. Mm. But then again, here we are today benefiting from his ministry. Yeah. Um, the, the man just lived for Jesus. Yeah. So, Christian, this episode we are thinking about particularly Spurgeon's conversion and then his calling to be a pastor as a young man. Um, and we know that he was raised by Christian parents and Christian grandparents. And we're curious what you think. Uh, yeah. So are there things we can learn from them in how to point our children to Jesus? Yeah. Well, as you said, Spurgeon was raised by parents and grandparents. He was raised a great deal by his grandfather as it was. And I think Spurgeon, I'm going to go into a little bit about his own parenting here too. I think Spurgeon learned benevolent, gracious parenting mm. from his grandfather who, who treated him with love and respect, even as a young child. Um, Spurgeon, I don't think, experienced a rigid, cold, legalistic form of of overbearing parenting that many sincere parents sometimes fall into in their efforts to to train up their children. Um, I know Spurgeon would agree with disciplining and correcting children, but he seemed to have a a grandfatherly kind of 
kind of love towards his own children and towards the orphans that he oversaw in the orphanages he set up. Uh, Spurgeon, in other words, erred on the side of love and compassion in his parenting. And he learned that from his grandfather, I believe. If there indeed was uh, erring in the way he parented, I mean, we know he wasn't perfect, but I think his sons always knew their, their father genuinely enjoyed being with them and doing things with them. And the joy of the Lord drove Spurgeon's parenting. And I think he learned a lot from that, from his grandfather. Um, but of course he would have given access to his children, um, to many books, good mm -hmm. books, just as he had that access from his grandfather's books, good religious books as a child. And no doubt he trained his twin sons to read much of good, solid religious literature as well. Yeah. Uh, and just recently I came across something I didn't know existed. Uh, his One of his twins, Thomas, recorded several years after his dad died on an old Edison phonograph, his dad's last sermon. Uh, and the way he spoke of his father was very touching to me. He's like, I wish we had thought about this while my dad was alive and had recorded some. Mm. But in order for you to hear a bit of his final sermon, um, I'm going to play this for you. In fact, let's take a listen to it right now. If there is anything that is closer, generous, kind, and tender, yea, lavish, and superabundant in love, you always find it in him. His service is life, peace, joy. Oh, that you would enter on it at once. God help you to enlist under the banner of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that was just a little sample of Thomas Spurgeon recording the last couple paragraphs of his father's sermon, uh, which was very Christocentric, not, not too surprising. Yeah, Spurgeon always, as he said, made a beeline for, for Christ in his messages. He was definitely uh, all about the gospel and pointing people to his Savior all the time. Yeah, amen. Speaking of Christ being at the center of things, what can our kids learn from him about their faith in Christ? For kids, Spurgeon had a, a childlike faith in his Savior. Uh, he believed what God said he would do and could do, period. Mm. He knew Jesus loved him, and that to him was the most important thing in the world. Uh, Spurgeon lived his life as if God is real and everything in the Bible is true. And of course, he was right. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that. Knowing all that you have studied about Spurgeon and read about Spurgeon that we just talked about, uh, what are uh, one or two last thoughts that you would leave with the children who are listening to this podcast uh, to consider and to think about? I think the most important thing is that you shouldn't wait to get serious about the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to not think that there's all these years ahead of you that you can eventually turn and, and serve the Lord with all your heart, but be like Spurgeon. He, he got saved when he was 16 years old or maybe 15 years old, I think. Uh, and he got right into the, serving the kingdom of God. If you're, if you're eight years old, if you're six years old, if you're 13 years old, if you're 15 years old, start serving the Lord Jesus Christ now, getting serious about um, knowing him and living for him. Don't wait. Amen, amen. That's perfect, because that, uh, that goes into our script for Spurgeon, as told by Littles. Which we're going to hear in just a moment here. But first, thank you so much, Pastor Christian, for being with us. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Lambert. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> this 
is all things together. <laughs> and we're thankful for our time with Pastor Christian Polinard. You know, we've been friends with him and his wife for many years. In fact, our kids have really grown up with each other. Yes, they're a precious family and we have a precious relationship and we really are thankful that Christian was on our show. And I have to say, Christian really lit up when I told him about the clip from Thomas Spurgeon reciting his dad's sermon. Uh, we, we both found that really cool. Yeah, it really was. If only they had thought of capturing Spurgeon on the phonograph before he died, that would have been amazing. Well, it is amazing to hear that so many years after his death, God is still using Spurgeon's teachings to encourage many people like ourselves and Pastor Christian today. Yes, and God used many in Charles Spurgeon's life to encourage him. We touch on that in our Young Spurgeon Podcast Theater. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But before that, we wanted to let you know that we have a special Spurgeon activity pack available with coloring pages, word scrambles, fill-in-the-blank worksheets, and more. Melissa put it together, and it's really nice. And you can purchase that and download it at fisolasmedia.com, fisolasmedia.com. It's a lot of fun, and it will help us continue to produce these free podcasts that so many of you are enjoying. And so, without further ado... Drum roll. Drum roll, please. (laughs) We are very excited to share with you all... As As Told told by Littles Podcast Theater, Young Charles Spurgeon. (gasps) Oh, look at these books, Mr. Persian. Have you ever seen so many? What's this? Pilgrim's Progress. Now that sounds like a good adventure. Let's read this one together. Charles, are you up there? Oh, there you are. I've been looking for you everywhere. What are you doing all the way up here? It's so dark. Oh, Auntie Anna, I found a treasure in the darkness. Look at all of these books. Mr. Persian and I are quite happy reading here. Oh, very well then. Just be sure you're reading by candlelight. Sure thing. By the way, can I have a pretzel? You make such tasty pretzels. Oh, sure, Charles. You really like them? Do you think Mr. Purgeon would like one, too? Oh, boy, do I. And if you don't like it, Mr. Purgeon, I'll just eat yours, too. A long time ago, in a country far, far away, called England, lived a boy named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. You may have heard of him. He lived with his grandparents and aunt until the age of 10 and was very influenced by his grandfather, who was a preacher and the owner of many books that Charles devoured as a young child. Charles, what are you reading there, dear boy? Is that Pilgrim's Progress in your hand again? Oh, Granda, it's a marvelous book. I never get tired of it. It's always fresh and so rooted in scripture. Ah, my boy, you have chosen a wonderful favorite. I encourage you to visit many good books, but always remember to live in the Bible. That's a great quote. I'll have to remember that one. Now, Charles, speaking of the scriptures, as a voice once told Augustine, let us take up and read. Please turn to Revelation and begin where we left off last time. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth. 
and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Er, Granda, what's a bottomless pit? Poo-poo, child, go on. That's an actual quote from James Spurgeon, Charles's grandpa. And though it might seem he had a bit of a stiff upper lip, his influence on the young boy was huge. Because Charles's grandpa was a pastor, many visitors came to their home to meet with him. One of those guests was evangelist Richard Neal. While visiting the Spurgeon home when Charles was 10 years old, Richard spent several mornings with Charles sharing the gospel with him. Charles, my lad, it has been a joy to spend mornings in the garden with you, talking about Christ, our blessed Savior. For sure. You've left me with much to think about. <coughs> here, here, Spurgeon family. I'd like to have your attention. Please, gather around. Mr. Nil, we're all here. What's up? My dear Spurgeon family, what a gift it has been to stay with you these past few days. Your hospitality has been wonderful, and your pretzels are like no other. I will certainly give you a great review on Yelp. Here, here, way better than Mr. Wetzel's from down the street. Thanks. I was thinking of opening up my own shop. Hmm, maybe a little place in the mall. That would be delightful. Well, I want to say something about this lad on my knee. I don't know how it is, but I feel very seriously that this child will preach the gospel to thousands, and God will bless him to many souls. I am so sure of this that when my little man preaches in Roland Hills Chapel, as he will do one day, I am requesting that he starts the service with this hymn. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. Charles believed every word of Richard Nill's bold statement, but this gave the young Spurgeon great conviction. Despite all that he had read in his grandfather's books about Jesus and the Bible, he didn't know the Lord personally. And if God was going to have him preach in front of thousands, he needed to be saved to do that. So Charles began to pray often that God would save him. And on a cold and snowy Sunday in January of 1850, God moved in a mysterious and wonderful way. Oh God, please save my soul. I have heard men tell me of your work in my life, but I've yet to see it. How can I step into a ministry if I've not yet known my Savior? I've acknowledged the weight of my sin that my sin is something that needs to be paid for. I've read so many books and seemingly know so much, yet I plead, God, save my soul. Please do not leave me troubled. Oh, my body is so cold. Must my heart be cold as well? Oh, perhaps I can get warm in this church. It was in this church that Spurgeon found warmth for his soul. The regular pastor was gone that day due to the blizzard. The man filling in for him was not the greatest of preachers, but he did turn to Isaiah 45:22, which says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. And then he looked straight at the young Spurgeon and said, That young man there looks very miserable. Look, look, 
young man, look now! God used this moment to show Spurgeon his Savior, the one he had been praying for. He finally understood who his Savior was and what Christ had truly done for him. Oh Lord, thank you. Every snowflake talks with me and tells me the pardon I have found, for I am white as the driven snow through the grace of God. Upon his return home on that snowy day, Charles's mother said, Something wonderful has happened to you. He was now a follower of Jesus Christ at the age of 15, and he now could tell others about the Savior he personally knew. Soon after this, Charles was invited to preach at a local church. Oh, Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your Son. Christ is a precious treasure. In your holy name, amen. Bless your heart. How old are you, son? <clears throat> you must wait to ask those questions until we're done with the service. Now, let us sing the hymn. Amen. Okay, now can you tell us how old you are? Um, I'm under 60. <laughs> Huh? I think you're under 16. Never mind my age. Think of the Lord Jesus and his preciousness. At the age of 17, Charles Spurgeon was called to preach at the Baptist Church in Water Beach. God used Spurgeon, the boy preacher, to preach the gospel to many. He would eventually preach to tens of thousands of people in London, as Mr. Nell felt compelled to say he would. The life of Charles Spurgeon is a wonderful testimony that no matter your age, God can use you to further his kingdom. As the Apostle Paul wrote to young Timothy, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Well, there you have it, folks, as told by Little's Podcast Theater. And that was a production of Five Solas Media, written and produced by yours truly, Troy and Melissa Lambert. You did a great job, Melissa. Thanks. You did, too. Special thanks to Lucas, who played young Spurgeon, and his sister Mia, who played Auntie Anne and the old church lady. She did a great old lady. <laughs> and we don't want to forget about our own kids, Jackson, Madeline, and Owen, who played the various other characters. We do hope you all enjoyed that. Please let us know if you did. I really love that we gave him a cat. I hope we don't lose any of our followers or our subscribers who are dog people here. But I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. We, we like cats around here. <laughs> and so did Spurgeon, even though he didn't have a cat named Mr. Purgeon. That was inspired by Paul Cox's creativity. But he did have a cat named Dick, and he also had a pug named Punch. Dogs and cats aside, what a great transformation young Spurgeon went through. Absolutely. We pray that young and old alike will be inspired by this story and may the Lord use it in your young one's lives even today. Kids, you can trust in Jesus no matter what age you are. Yes, church history is so rich with these testimonies of God's amazing grace. 
And that is why we love bringing these stories to light. It brings to mind God's providence working throughout history to carry on the gospel. And speaking of church history, our friend at Crossway gave us a few of their brand new church history study Bibles to give away. Yeah, and let me just tell you real quick, this is a really neat Bible. We, we got a copy for ourselves and we've been looking at it and it's the entire Bible. And what they've done is they include insight from trusted Christians throughout the last 2000 years uh, in the uh, commentary portion. And I found it really, really helpful. All of the details for our giveaway are listed in our show notes, as well as on social media. This giveaway ends next Friday, January 27th, 2023 at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Well, in the words of Porky Pig, that's all, folks. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review and a good rating. Thanks again to our guests for joining us and to all the kids who were involved in this episode. And thank you for listening. See See you you next next month. month.